ChatGPT obviously understands your prompt because it will use that prompt as an input to generate the next best word. The intermediary thing of really parsing that text and understanding the underlying emotions or sentiment or psychological patterns, this is what's still missing. We believe that this might be the next very big holy grail in, in AI because this is actually understanding human intent, emotion and personality rather than just generating words based on the user's prompts. Welcome everyone to the AI for All podcast. I'm Ryan Chacon. I'm here with my co-host, Neil Sahoda and our producer, Nikolai. Hey, how's everybody doing? Hello. All right. Um, on today's episode, we are focused on emotionally intelligent AI. To discuss this, we brought on two fantastic experts, Martin and Max, the CEO and CTO of Million Ways. Their company is focused on building the world's first emotionally intelligent AI. Martin and Max, welcome to the show. Thanks, Ryan. Great, Great to be here. Thanks for having us. Yeah, excited to have you both. Um, so let's start this off by having, uh, let's, let's start a conversation off by talking about what it means for AI to be emotionally intelligent. So Martin and Max, why don't you all dive in and kind of tell us what does that, what does that mean for the layman, for the person out there that's trying to understand how can AI be emotionally intelligent? Yeah, I can, I can usually start from the high level perspective. I'm the non-tech guy here. Max is our CTO. So, um, I always have the, more uh, kind of a personal perspective because I work on this topic, like understanding people in a holistic way, um, basically all my life. And before AI popped up, it was really like a, yeah, like a psychological topic. I mean, people um, had to read books or go to uh, whatever I, to figure out um, who they really are and uh, hopefully figure that out in the end, which is still a hard thing. So. For me, this topic is one of the most important topics in, in the world, actually, because if you understand yourself better, it eventually leads to mental health, and that's what it's all about. Um, so this is my, my high-level perspective. And uh, in the current AI hype um, that we are seeing, uh, it's mainly about generative AI. Max can talk more about the differences, but generative AI means it's generative. It generates things uh, like videos, texts, uh, whatever, but it doesn't understand anything. And um, nobody would actually, if, if you understand AI, then everybody knows it, but the masses obviously can't know that. So it, it looks like it's very, very dangerous or something. But in reality, for example, ChatGPT just creates words um, in a very, very good way, obviously, but uh, that's it. And uh, doesn't understand the meaning behind it and especially the personality behind it. And we um, developed this actually long before the hype started, a couple of years, scientific background. I moved from Germany, as you probably hear. <laughs> So um, we had a research phase there and um, uh, 25 scientists working on that. So really, really solid work um, on the scientific basis uh, foundation. And, and this is what we brought to the U.S. now to, to scale. But I can hand over to Max because he has a tech perspective. Yeah. Uh, so, so basically, um, question uh, of what it means uh, for an AI to become emotionally intelligent. Uh, we have to go back uh, a little bit in time. I mean... NLP, natural language processing, has been around for for a long time now. Uh, it recently got more attention with all those generative models, of course. But uh, we've always been familiar with um, autocorrect, uh, sentiment analysis, speech recognition. So all of these models have been around um, for a long time. And uh, we used um, NLP the first time to actually classify text based on psychological patterns. Uh, so what that means is we 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 took a holistic model, a holistic personality theory that's been researched for decades in psychology and validated by science. Um, and we 
basically taught the NLP model to classify text based on uh, these psychological patterns. And this is how you can um, actually get to emotional intelligence because the, the main difference, ChatGPT um, obviously understands your prompt uh, because it will use that prompt as an input to generate the next best word. And then it will do the recurrent thing where it puts new word uh, back into the model and generate the next best word based on that. But um, the, the intermediary thing of really parsing that text and understanding the underlying uh, emotions or sentiment or uh, psychological patterns, this is what's still missing. And uh, we believe that this might be the next very big uh, holy grail in, in AI because uh, this is actually actually understanding human intent, emotion, and personality rather than just um, generating words based on based on the user's prompts. Almost 10 years ago, this whole field of like artificial empathy emerged in AI. It, it really started saying, could AI like detect emotion in people? Like could figure out that someone's sad or happy or, you know, angry. And, you know, they're looking at maybe body language. They're, they're looking at word choice, like their linguistics. The work that you're doing in a million ways, like, where is it, like, in that space? Like, where does emotional intelligence not come into the equation? Our approach was um, psych psych uh, always psychology-based. So um, empathy and psychology are, are closely related. Uh, so what we have done is we have identified linguistic patterns. So how a person speaks, what words they choose, what language they choose in their everyday life, and uh, how they basically talk in, the, in their everyday life is very highly correlated to one's personality. This has been figured out even before AI uh, already in, in the field of psychology. Um, and we use these insights uh, to to digitize it and uh, use modern AI technology to to basically uh, make this scalable. So uh, before that, uh, you had to do assessments with uh, with mentors or um, basically take personality tests uh, verified by psychologists. But this now enables um, people to identify their personality only based on their language. There is probably more to the equation than just language. Uh, we're also exploring audio, uh, facial expressions at some point. Uh, but the reason why we started with language was because there was already all of this scientifically validated research on correlating language to personality. And this is where we got started. Uh, but in the long run, I believe uh, we will have more parameters uh, that lead to identifying empathy even even better. One difference, uh, what, what, what Neil just uh, said about the and when it popped up in AI, um, usually they uh, use big data, even for the voice analysis, um, it's just big data models, and you um, have some kind of statistic probability um, calculations, but uh, it's usually not based on real science. Um, even if you use some kind of MBTI or something like that, this is not really science. Um, I don't want to be negative, but it's just like a model, like to class classify people with four letters, which is fun, but it's not really helpful if you really un want to understand yourself better because you are obviously not either I or E, for example, you are much more uh, yeah, in between. Um, and this is, uh, this is something that actually doesn't really exist. There are some, some people working on that, obviously, but we actually worked on that for a very long time. And it's 
based on science from day one. This is a difference. It's not only better. It was also like others are much uh, faster in development. But the good thing is we did it one time and now it's it's there and it's up and running and we don't need to do it again um, because the AI actually learned the psychological model that we are using. Let me ask you from like a general consumer standpoint, um, obviously you mentioned the four letters like Myers-Briggs, but how, how would this, how do you kind of envision this being this this model, this information, this ability for AI to be emotionally intelligent, to understand people, to be used? Like where, you know, right now a lot of people are interacting with ChatGPT and, and we've kind of talked about that, but where are these, where is the application of emotionally intelligent AI most applicable or where will that come in the most to the daily lives of people listening to this? Yeah, from my perspective, it's uh, actually a fundamental uh, thing. Like um, if you are in school, if you're in college, um, you, you always have to understand yourself. If you do dating, if you want to find the right friends or partners for your company, whatever it is, you always need to understand your, especially unconscious, uh, patterns and traits and um, wishes and goals and dreams and whatever it is. Um, some people are better with self-reflection. Some some people struggle with that. But even if you are very good, I mean, I, I self-reflected a lot in my life and I still didn't figure it, figure it out for a long time. So this is like, this is actually the holy grail to understand yourself and what you really want. Um, and I think it's, it's this is a, this is a fundamental thing, actually. It, it seems like, like a nice to have, but it's not. From my perspective, it's, it's very, very fundamental and um, people have to have to understand themselves better to be happy. Martin, I gotta, I gotta jump in here. I'm going to ask the big question and I'll answer it myself afterwards, but do you think that like guys are at emotional intelligence and empathy than like the average person? Yeah, I, I definitely want to give that to Max, but uh, but just a, just a quick answer. It's different. And um, if we claim that we have real empathy, that's that's not a not a legit claim, because you know, the human brain obviously works differently. Um, so we we shouldn't say that it is empathy, but it can simulate empathy, or it can um, kind of uh, in, yeah do the same, uh, but in a different way. So I I wouldn't say it's better or worse. It's just different. It's an additional objective layer. Um, to our human empathy. This is my answer, but uh, Max, what do you think? Yeah, in our, in our case, I, I can add uh, just in our specific case, uh, we have tested it and it has been uh, more accurate than a single uh, psychologist who would have labeled something differently or would have made more mistakes. Uh, eventually, our model can also become and outperform a group of psych psychologists. So it can really learn this theory uh, and become better and more accurate and obviously faster. That's the main uh, main point uh, than than trained psychologists. But still, it is based on this uh, holistic theory, um, which has something to do with empathy because understanding personality patterns and understanding the psychology behind someone uh, leads to empathy. But uh, as I would agree with Martin that the claim that we have uh, em empathy itself, human empathy. Uh, is is way too early to make, but it can replicate empathy in a psychological sense. All right, Neil, your turn. You got to answer now. I promised I would. So my own experiences and benchmark this is that I think Martin Max put it really well that the AI tends to be more accurate. We kind of rationalize that the reason it, it does that is because it has that laser attention on you, right? Because even if you're a therapist or psychologist or somebody else, you're talking to somebody, 
you might be thinking about other things, right? Like, what are the kids up to? What do I do for dinner? What's who's that right now over there? Whereas the AI has this, all it is is totally focused on you, what you're saying, what you're doing. And we, we don't have that kind of attention. And so it can pick up on those more subtle details better than we can. The add-on to that, and this is the surprising thing we found out, the chatbots in the early days, is people are more honest talking to an AI system. Like, they'll they'll tell things that AI that they're hesitant to tell, like the doctor of 20 years or a police officer when they want to file a police report because they feel like the AI is actually not judging them. So the, sometimes it's like the AI is actually getting better data as a result. Yeah, it's actually it's actually interesting, right? And also um, people post differently on social media than in their personal diaries. Why is that? So um, there's a reason for that. And uh, and it's probably good. But uh, but still, um, I, I agree. We also have the we, we, when we started with that, we actually do voice recordings um, for the initial test. We can also do chat, but. Um, we like the voice recordings because people are more honest, exactly as you said. And they are sitting in the room. And we were really thinking, like, do people like sitting in a room talking to a phone about their most intimate thoughts? Is that really a thing? Like, I didn't know that. And, and then we tried it. And it, it, exactly as you said, they're actually very comfortable. At the beginning, sometimes it feels like a little strange. Um, but uh, you, you get used to it within minutes. And then uh, people are very honest. Yeah, and we were actually tapped um, to, to see that because uh, there's a big need. I mean, we all know that. We just want to be ourselves. It's just, it sounds very simple, but it's obviously not. And and this is why an AI can help because it's bias-free. I mean, I, I know Max will say it's not 100%. It can never be 100% bias-free, but you feel less biased because it doesn't judge you exactly as you said, Neil. So yeah, I, I, I totally agree. You guys have alluded a lot to like mental health. So like, how is this actually being applied? How is AI helping like with mental health issues? So for me, it's uh, definitely um, the, the first thing you need for being um, healthy, like mentally healthy, is understanding yourself and your needs and your um, wishes and everything. And uh, once you have that, um, you uh, you are on the way to mental health. This is my personal experience, um, and I'm working on that since since really I was a teenager because I I, I saw so many people struggling with that, and putting myself obviously. So uh, everybody knows somebody. Um, and I think it's more about understanding yourself. Th that was also what our main uh, focus in our research was, uh, identifying the two steps, basically. We, we identified two major principles in uh, how you, we can lead to better mental health in general. First of which is uh, what Martin already uh, said, self-reflection, so understanding yourself better, your passion, your motivation, your interests, what you're good at, uh, what you really want to do in life. And then secondly, uh, and this is also where our AI, our AI model comes in um, as an additional helpful resource. Secondly, you need, need to be connected to the right people. So um, we obviously, we can emulate a lot of things right now with all this generative AI, but the human connection and the human interaction is still very, very substantial in leading to good mental health. And you will always um, need a good mentor to reach your next uh, career goals, or you will always need a need a good friend um, to to fill some of your gaps in your personal life, or you will need a good partner that that, that fits you. So all of these things um, are also very crucial, and our model also helps there because we we not only identify personality, but we also we have some uh, matching theories on which personalities work well together, be it in 
private life or in the job context. And this is also something where we believe AI can be very, very helpful going forward in um, bringing people together again. It's really interesting to kind of think about this application and the value and benefits it has long-term for people. Because obviously just having that outlet, having that ability to communicate with something that is learns more about you, learns kind of who you are, helps you understand who you are, um, is something that I think has really been shown to provide value for people who do struggle when it comes to, to, to the mental health side of things. And um, I'm curious to hear your thoughts about what does the kind of evolution of this look like when it comes to the application of it for for people. So if you think about, and again, this is just, this is from a movie I saw uh, a little while ago, if you've ever seen the movie Megan, where they build this AI robot to be able to uh, connect and interact with the daughter of one of the, the scientists. And it had me thinking that if you have something like this, that's you're, inter- you're able to interact with on a daily basis, you're able to build relationships. I know it's, it's with, you know, it's not with a human, but you're able to build relationships, have outlet, you know, provide, get, get feedback, have something that you can engage with as opposed to feeling completely siloed and alone and having to maybe do that on your own, which is not technically super easy. So how do you kind of see this evolving from where it is now into the daily lives of the people uh, or of people as this continues to get more sophisticated and it it gets proven out even further? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, it's, it's always funny. If we do some predictions now, then we will be one of these people in 20 years where everybody's laughing about like, uh, yeah, they, but, but right now I think the very next steps are not, um, making an AI as empathetic as us, but adding again, it, it's a different kind of, um, empathy and, uh, understanding human behavior because it's not a human. And this is, this is good. Um, and Megan is a good example. I love this movie, by the way. So this is, uh, um, it, it got a little out of hand in this movie, maybe. Yeah. But, uh, this is, it proves how AIs are different because of the primary goal of, Megan, in this case, is to protect or um, help or assist this girl, then she will do everything, no matter what, to do that. And this is not very human, obviously. So, um, But it's it's different. So this is why I think it should be used differently and not, we shouldn't, I mean, why, should, why, why do we want another human in AI? I mean, we already have humans. So I, I don't see a big point in that. We, I think it should be different, my perspective. I'm going to run with the Megan thing for a moment because I think it's actually a great example of some of the current challenges we're facing that you have a lot of really smart technologists working on like AI tools, but they don't really understand the domain. And then, spoiler alert for those of you who haven't watched the movie, they have some smart technologists, but none of them were actually parents, let alone understand the science of child rearing, right? And that that became a, a sticking point in the movie about some of the things that happened. I won't ruin that part. But I think it goes back to a point Max you made earlier about that you still need the domain experts, you still need really the expertise. How, how do you actually balance that out? Then? How, how do you find that right integration between the two? Yeah, we've, uh, we've also al- always worked closely with uh, humans, not only psychologists, but also humans who, who understand empathy and who uh, use their empathy in interviews. So I think, uh, I think if, if we kind of teach these principles, not only the science, but also the in- intuitive approach to empathy that uh, we as humans have, uh, we can really get somewhere. But I also, I totally agree with Martin on this. Um, I think it doesn't make sense uh, to to build another uh, human entity or human-like entity. It's more about having kind of an objective um, solution where 
you're fully aware that this is only a bot and it's it's only technology, but it knows your personality objectively and it can give you objective feedback. So because I also see myself sometimes, uh, you're you're always um, obviously uh, gathering your feedback from the people close you're close with, uh, but they're all biased. So once you have this another another entity which is not really a close human or you don't have a close uh, human-like relationship with but you know that it knows you and it understands your patterns and can give you feedback on an ongoing basis you might ask some personal questions just to give just to get another third party perspective uh based on based on this expertise that you trust this uh, uh this uh, entity has and then i think um you can use this this information to uh, either change something about your behavior or again get connected to other people because at the end we should always focus on the human to human interaction and not uh, build uh, deep relationships with with chatbots that's my take i think i have a good good example maybe um because when in our research phase we talked to a lot of people about what they what to do in their lives and one example is people want to uh, open a restaurant. And then the question is, why do you want to do that? Because maybe you know that you want to open a restaurant, but our AI can help you figuring out why and what exactly it is that makes you want that. And then um, if you figure that out, maybe you don't want to open a restaurant anymore, but something else. Because you could you could um, have this wish because you are last cooking. You could have this wish because you want to have do some interior design because you just want to and create the restaurant, um, or you love um, hosting guests. Very different motivations, um, and you don't exactly. Usually, people don't exactly know why um, they have a certain wish, and then they are on a track, and they only focus on that. But they could also get happy with something else much faster, maybe um, uh, by figuring out what the real intention is. And this is a good example, I guess, for how AI can help because it's objective and it's not a human. It can it just analyzes, for example. How you feel when you talk about hosting guests, or how you feel when you talk about creating a like the interior design. Um, this is this is very different. And um, if we if we have an assistant like that, and this is what what we basically do. I don't want to talk about our product, but I obviously have the most experience with that. So this is this is what we can do, and AI in the future will probably do more of that. And, the, and another example would be Karen AI, right? Um, this this virtual girlfriend. Um, this is an example of people trying to replicate humans um, and do you honestly want to have a relationship with this AI? I don't think so. I guess most people want to experiment with that, um, want to have some troll chats um, and that's basically it. And of course you have a hype because it's a cool story. Um, but our AI was, for example, was able to identify the differences between the real Karen and the AI. It's very different. Max could talk more about that if that's interesting, but um, it's not the same personality. It's just not because it's an AI. Maybe that's more of a known quantity. I don't know. Maybe Google 4 are comfortable with that. One of the things I was thinking about is you're talking about the uh, the restaurant and being able to use it to understand if you really want to open a restaurant or not. Um, there are a lot of people out there that I think as they get out of high school, get in and out of college, they're trying to figure out what they need to do, what they want to do with their lives, right? And I think a lot it's a big dilemma for a lot of younger people. Um, and a lot of the decisions they make when they're younger put them on a path that may or may not truly align with who they are or what they're looking to do. And I feel like there's applications here that could apply to um, helping people more quickly figure out based on, you know, 
past interactions and data that's collected by those interactions as to not just who you are, but what is it that you're best suited for, most likely going to find enjoyment in doing in for something like a career? Has that been something you all have kind of thought about? I could talk about that for hours because I actually published a book about that in Germany and this was my topic before we even before we were even an AI company. Um, got, we had a research NGO, like a, like a foundation nonprofit, um, and we wanted to do exactly that, like figuring out what people want and then help them get there. Um, and I can, I will not do it, don't worry about that, uh, but I could talk for hours about that. So this is exactly what we can do. So for example, even in schools, we worked in a lot of schools, even with children, like eight to 12 years old, um, but also with teenagers, especially teenagers, but even children. If you ask an eight-year-old or nine, 10-year-old what, what he or she wants to do, um, then you get some interesting uh, ideas about what this person is. Um, and it, it and one, one great example that I always use is uh, one guy that wanted to build, uh, he was actually nine, and he wanted to build ships like with SH. I don't know my pronunciation. This is like not CH. Um, so he wanted to build ships in his life, and we connected him with a former shipyard employee. Um, and uh, seven years later, they actually built ships together because uh, he was 15 and did his internship in, in this uh, shipyard. So this is a stereotype, like a, a nice story. It will not happen all the time, but it's a great story because we just connected two people. That's all we did because our AI figured out that they will probably get along well. And this boy told his wish. That's it. We didn't do more. It's not magic. We just connected two people. Very easy. Nobody else does it. I'm going to flip this around for a second because we're talking a lot about how we can use this as a tool to help ourselves. And I'll, I'll lay a little context behind this question I'm going to ask. When the use of chat GPT started starbursting a few months ago. There was a reporter from Wired, I was talking to her, and she asked ChatGPT, what emotions do you feel? You know, and it came back with things like infograde, right? And she's like, my God, is it sentient, that kind of stuff? And I explained to her, that's not, not really trying to apply the concept of like jealousy to how an AI might view that. But do you ever envision the day where maybe we as humans would have to show great emotional intelligence and understanding an AI system? That's that's a fascinating question. So um, I, I still think uh, that um, right now, e even with our approach, uh, we will always uh, teach AI to replicate certain human patterns or human behavioral patterns um, and eventually also yeah, replicate or simulate uh, human emotions. Um, but I always think uh, that it will not lead to um, or probably not lead to sentience in the way that uh, it can kind of get to emotions from its own and then you will have to understand as a human uh, how to empathize with, with, with the machine. I think we're, we're not there yet and I, I also doubt that we will get um, to this full-blown sentience where they, where they uh, get uh, completely um, individual in their decision-making and the, in their emotions. Um, but it's it's a it's a great question. Uh, we we also sometimes uh, in in the Karen example, uh, we already started looking into what is actually the personality of ChatGPT. Is it always the personality of the person that it's interacting with? Is it more of a holistic uh, personality? Does it depend on what you're talking uh, to ChatGPT about? So it's definitely something uh, that we are also looking into, and it's a very fascinating and uh, important topic to kind of also, uh, yeah, supervise 
the personalities of those of all of those chatbots and how they evolve and change. That's fascinating because the Holy Grail is always like this digital assistant that knows yourself as well as you know yourself. And so if they have a personality, do they adopt your personality? Kind of like some pets do, right? They adopt, they adopt some of the mannerisms of their, their human owners. And I think this is one of the things we don't, we don't like to talk about dystopia or about utopia. But when we read this letter from, from Elon and, and the others, like this is, uh, maybe one of the, the real dangers. Um, because if an AI, as I said with Megan, has only one focus, everything else is secondary. And, um, this is a completely different perspective and this could be dangerous. So there's an awesome German book. I just checked if it exists in, in English, but unfortunately it doesn't because it's, it's really special. I, I never saw anything else about AI like that. Um, uh, but there is no English, unfortunately. But uh, this book is about an AI taking over, like this famous AI takeover. And, um, and, uh, they ask this AI, what is the purpose of life or whatever? What is your purpose? And it says, my, the purpose is to exist. And if an AI is at this point that the main purpose is to exist, it will do everything to exist. And what does this mean? So there are some dystopian scenarios, but again, I personally love to focus on the positive, but uh, it is, it is dangerous because they are different, because they are not the same. One thing I'm curious about is what is your thoughts on people needing an AI to like knowing that the AI actually understands them so like how would do you think that people care if the ai actually feels like they feel because they know it's a machine they know it doesn't feel anything but like is that a factor do they do people need to feel like it actually is empathizing or relating to them or is it just about their own experience. It doesn't matter what the machine is experiencing. It's about their experience of feeling understood. And that's what people really want. They want to feel like they're understood. What are your thoughts on that? Exactly. Yeah. This is, this is an awesome question. I love it. This is like, because, um, I, I talked really to thousands of people in my life and I, I don't want to, to emphasize that all the time, but. The, the only recurring topic is always being yourself. And this is so, again, it, it sounds so simple, but it, it's so hard, definitely in this world of opinions and noise and, and whatever, and overwhelming stuff. Um, how do you hear the right voice? And you need some kind of reflection. And if you reflect with yourself, it doesn't really help. It's not really a reflection because it's yourself. If you reflect with friends, they are subjective. They are not objective, obviously. So, and they also struggle usually. Psychologists, I mean, they're also subjective. They, if you're lucky, you have a good one and maybe it helps, maybe not. It's, it's very, it's based on luck, right? Um, and, and an AI could actually fill this gap. So I think, and I really like this question because I think in the end, they don't want to talk to an AI. Of course not. I mean, it doesn't need in somewhere. What could it do? The only thing is that, that it could do is giving you insights about something you haven't seen before. Um, but the dialogue itself couldn't be the thing. I mean, this is a waste of time, right? If you talk to an AI, I, the, the only purpose is to figure something out or to get somewhere. And I, I, I hope that it's like that. Otherwise, I personally don't really like that, but this is just my take. 
right, I'll go ahead and jump in here. I want to ask you guys something because um, we've been talking a lot about a variety of different great topics. And But I think there's an underlying question a lot of people are going to have when it comes to collecting kind of that personal things, right? It's It's the ethics. It's the ethical side of all this and interacting with something on this kind of more personal level how do you how does that how is that how is that handled how how where do the ethics kind of come into this what how are they they determine kind of where the line is drawn and what can be done what what can't be done um what's to do with this information this data because let's say for instance a company is using a, a tool to understand their employees better or hire and talk to lots of people from a resource perspective where, where do you, how do you kind of balance the growth of and and movement of the technology forward with that ethical line that um that is out there? Yeah, um, so I think the the need for regulations is, is very imminent. Um, we we saw that with with Sam Altman um, and Elon Musk obviously crying for this. Um, so ethics should be a huge topic. The way I um see it is always um. I, I, for example, I love uh, using GitHub Copilot myself in my everyday life. It just helps you um, code more faster and more efi efficiently, and it auto completes your code. But I, I definitely like this um, this name because, in my opinion, uh, AI should always be a copilot and nothing more. So it should not be the, the entity that ultimately makes the decision or that ultimately is responsible for a judgment or a text or even a diagnosis, a mental health diagnosis, which we're also uh, separating ourselves uh, clearly from uh, because otherwise um, this is this is very dangerous, uh, not only ethics-wise, but also legally-wise, who's responsible then uh, for, for the ramifications of, of, of the diagnosis. So I believe it should always be a tool, a helpful tool in your toolkit uh, to have this objective um, opinion based on data and science uh, and the model, but ultimately the decision uh, should lie or should rest with a human. Uh, you can use it as a co-pilot for your hiring decisions, making better hiring decisions or making mental health advices, but it should um, definitely stop at that point. Uh, and we have to make sure with the correct regulations in place uh, that we don't uh, exceed this, this point of um, authority. AI. Do, do you feel, Max, that it should be a co-pilot in every situation or are there instances where we'd want an AI to make a decision? Yeah, I mean, people people are already starting to to make, uh, to, to re, re, uh, give the full responsibility to ChatGPT in some cases, for example, for content production or image generation, video generation, everything that's generated. But ultimately, I think if we, uh, if we think about judgments that have a real impact, such as diagnosis or maybe even legal judgments or hiring judgments. Um, I think I think ultimately, because AI will never be 100% accurate, um, and also in some cases, we have to add in human intuition to make the right decision ultimately. Uh, I think in those use cases, we should always keep it at the co-pilot level from my point. We do feel there are instances where an AI should make a decision or should be enabled or empowered, I guess, to make a decision. I, I think in, in those situations where it counts, uh, from my point of view, it should not be able to, to make any ultimate decision. But um, I'm curious to hear maybe other thoughts where, where it might make sense. 
like if you're monitoring like the a dam and you're you know you're having flash flash floods hurricane level winds or something all that IoT data is for machine consumption, not human consumption. Uh, you have an AI system plan mon- monitoring the potential strength of like that dam, and it, the AI is thinking, "Hey, this thing could break at any second now. Do you want it to go and alert somebody and have some human take some action, or should we be able to take action on its own to prevent the dam from breaking?" I think in those use cases, uh, we have to do some trial and error, probably. But I mean, as as soon as it makes some wrong decisions and it leads to casualties we we have uh, the issue again but um, yeah in, in some of these cases it might make sense but uh, I, I was more uh, referring to all those uh, decisions that actually impact um, a human directly like if they're hired or not or I need to put this way okay, you're damned if you do if you're damned if you don't right and you're right everyone expects the AI to be perfect that's never going to happen but like if it makes a wrong decision about a diagnosis or a legal decision, people are like that's not going to work. But in the dam case, if it's like, well, alert a human that took so long, dam broke. People are like, well, why didn't the AI stop it in the first place? Right? Humans also obviously also make mistakes, and I, I, I read a lot about these medical um, devices. Neil, uh, exactly what you said. This is a dam. Uh, other example is surgeries. Even I mean, AI will be better in at surgeries uh, in the future. So why shouldn't we use it? And if an AI makes a mistake, I mean, every doctor makes a mistake as well. So the question is, um, also with a self-driving car, like Tesla, I always have these the discussions, right? If a Tesla kills somebody, but uh, on the same day, 50 people did the same. I don't, this is, uh, this is the ethical decision. And this is really, really hard to do because, and who is, uh, um, uh, yeah, who, who is, uh, who is guilty then? I, I, this is, this is a hard thing, I guess. Is it Tesla? Probably not. I mean, is it the person in the car? Probably not. So it's nobody. And maybe this is the ethical question. But also, even even with with more easy topics like writing essays, right? If if you if everybody will write everything for school and in in college uh, with ChatGPT in the future, then the whole thing will change. I mean, obviously the the system has to change then because it doesn't make sense anymore. So this is it. It will solve itself. This is what I wanted to say. This is not because. If you continue like that forever and everybody writes with ChatGPT, the whole system doesn't make change. So that uh, sense anymore. So there will be um, there will be changes, and I think it's good. And um, I get it. I, I'm more positive than than Max in this case, I guess. But um, it's just an opinion. I, I think it has to be like that because if AI is just better statistically, why why should we still do it? I mean, there's no objective reason for it, right? I think the tricky thing comes into to to, to, to Neil's question is it's such a situational thing that who's responsible for making the call of when the machine, when the computer, when the system can make the judgment call based on the data versus when a human needs to come in and kind of approve or deny that that thing from happening because obviously then it changes or then it brings up the question like you mentioned with Tesla, like who's liable for, for what happens? I think that's a big question that is going to have to be thought about across many different industries, many different use cases, many different situations. And um, it's an interesting challenge to have to really think through because you could probably make the argument in many cases for for either side. Much of the legal system is based on responsibility. Um, so it's very possible that with more and more powerful AI systems that this will have to change. Uh, you'll have to rethink the entire foundation of legal system. 
which is based on the notion that you're accountable and responsible for pretty much everything because of freedom of will. Um, but with an automated society, you'll kind of almost, that's kind of a society that's based more on determinism than free will. So I find that kind of interesting. Well, we're not going to resolve this on this podcast. <laughs> you're, wait, you're telling us, Neil, we can't solve this with the five of us on this call in 45 minutes? You know, I hate to break it to you, Ryan, but we might need a slight little more time. <laughs> That'll be part two of our discussion with the, with, the, with Martin and Max. Okay, well, this will be posing the question. The next one will be, here's the solution that's going to solve everyone's problem. I think one one last point is that, because I brought up like understanding before, and I think it's interesting that, um, so like AI ethics, I think it's hard to sometimes distinguish between AI ethics and AI politics. So politics meaning, like, are we having a philosophical conversation or are a bunch of sort of interests and parties just trying to get what they want out of the AI system? And then from there, it's just a matter, again, of everybody wants to be understood. They want to make sure the AI system is accounting for their interests. Um, so I'm wondering... If maybe a million ways can be part of the kind of the solution to this this kind of problem of well okay we'll just give everyone their own ai that understands you and we're not all in the in the courtroom yelling at the ai system to represent them you know it's like you get your own ai and you're understood and everybody everybody uses it differently right i i think i, I like this this idea it is philosophical, as you said. Even if we talk about the surgery example, um, is it better to have a person to blame if a surgery failed? Is it better for the mental health? This is very philosophical, right? Because this is the only difference. If you have an AI, um, which is objectively better than uh, in the future, I mean, um, than a group of uh, surgeons, maybe. I don't know. I'm just It's just an example. Is it is it better for the mental health to have somebody to blame or not? This is philosophical. It's very philosophical. And I agree about the, the personal AIs. I mean, everybody should use it differently and it will happen anyway. So this is always, this is what I don't like in, in Europe, actually. I, we moved from Europe and these uh, reg regulations is important, as Max said, but you can also overplay it because, I mean, it will happen anyway. Fantastic. Um, well, well, gentlemen, thank you so much for taking the time. This has been like incredible conversation for uh, for one of our first AI for All podcasts. So appreciate all the participation and all the ideas and the, this will be very thought-provoking, I'm sure, for our audience. And and before we wrap up, I just wanted to give a chance for you all to tell our audience um, where they can potentially learn more, follow up, and engage with you all if they have any questions or stuff about this topic with well, regarding Million Ways and what y'all are doing. Yeah, thanks so much, Brian. Um, thanks again for, for having us. And uh, yeah, we are on millionways.me uh, slash uh, millionways.ai for the chatbot. Um, that was a little confusing. So millionways.me is our main website and millionways.ai is our chatbot. Um, it's basically ChatGPT um, with an additional layer of emotional intelligence. Very interesting to see, I guess. Um, and everybody can figure out the personality and compare yourself with others um, there. Uh, but yeah, this is this is what I'm personally very passionate about. So thanks for having us. Absolutely, yeah. Passion was very clearly seen through all the, the conversation. Neil, anything last, any last words from your end? I think fantastic conversation uh, for all those of you. I would definitely take some time to play around with a chatbot and see how you can tap into emotional intelligence for your business. Well, Martin, Max, thanks again. Uh, excited to get this out to our audience. And then Neil and Nikolai, uh, obviously, always a pleasure to, to have you on here. Thank you so much, Brian.
Six one.